Hi, great to have you back with us. Another edition of Jeff Paxton Van Duval, along with Hayes Carline. My name is Rick Ballou. Uh, Hayes, unfortunately, once again, the Jaguars played a football game. Once again, they find themselves on the receiving end of a massive beating. Yeah, and you know, Rick, it's it's unfortunate that these continue to be the conversations. This one, you know, was expected, but still, I mean, just to see just the offense, I, I think that's the biggest thing for me. I I certainly didn't expect the defense to be the eighty five Bears. I but the defense has had its moments where it's played well. The offense just I mean, it's just miserable. I mean, it's just an it's just a miserable offense. I you know, I mean they they can't score twenty four points. Where it, it all, uh, and uh, you know, there's 23 teams in this league that have scored 24 points in a game at least five times this season. It just we all it's the same refrain, you know. Unfortunately, it's just the offense just is uh, it's just completely shattered with no hope of of really getting better. Yeah, and there's going to be so many decisions that this football team is going to have to make. Really, every position group outside of quarterback. And who knows what's going on at running back. We'll touch that there in just a couple of minutes. But, yeah, I mean, they start slow. They continuously, um, you know, what, five three-and-outs in their first seven possessions. You can't do that to your defense. And then on your very first opportunity to get the football on the second play, James Robinson turns it over. So that is a recipe for disaster. And, obviously, Los Angeles took complete advantage of that. All right, before we take a deep dive into everything, uh, let's thank our sponsor. Yeah, appreciate the law office of Stephen Doty. Uh, Stephen's a huge Jaguars fan. Uh, we're actually having lunch on Friday to lament uh, the team and, uh, and and where it goes from here. But we appreciate Stephen for sponsoring Death Taxes. And Duval does a great job with bankruptcy, family law matters. He's affordable, uh, efficient, responsive, everything that you would want uh, if you're looking for representation, if you've gone through a, a financial hardship or you've gone through a, a divorce, maybe want to look at getting it amended, uh, many years have passed, maybe Stephen can help you with that. You can find Stephen Doty at 416-8328. Once again, that's the law office of Stephen Doty, 416-8328. All right, let's begin with Urban Meyer. He just had an interesting press conference on this Wednesday. Once again, uh, there were a few I don't knows. There were a few... I don't micromanage. Uh, that's completely different from the Urban Meyer that I think our listeners were used to uh, when he coached at both Florida and Ohio State. Um, for, for, for starters, and you know, there's contradictions there as well. He says he's not going to micromanage. If James Robinson comes out, that's on Bernie Parmalee. That's on uh, Daryl Bevel. And then, you know, a minute later, he's saying, well, I almost took out Laquan Treadwell. He looked like he was loose with the ball in his hand after making a nice play. A lot of inconsistencies right now with this football team, including with the leadership at the top, Urban Meyer. Yeah, and again, I think Urban would have been well served uh, to go to this about a week ago when the James Robinson, you know, thing started to occur when the, the first time that he fumbled and it was clear that, that they had benched him for that. I, uh, today he, he finally got there uh, where he was basically like, we're not going to tolerate the ball being on the ground. You know, if, if, you know, if you're going to fumble, then you're benching yourself uh, was, was sort of uh, urban's point today. It reminded me a little bit of, uh, and pardon me, Rick, for going in the world of pro wrestling here, but it sort of reminded me of the Montreal screw job 
when Vince McMahon Ooh. was asked years later about Bret Hart and Bret Hart not wanting to drop the title on his way out the door to WCW. So obviously they, they set him up uh, to give the belt to Shawn Michaels with a premature bell. And Vince McMahon's explanation was, I didn't screw Bret Hart. Bret Hart screwed Bret Hart, which uh, obviously is, uh, um, it, you know, it, it reminds me a little bit of, of what Urban Meyer is trying to get across, which is, look, if James Robinson doesn't fumble, James Robinson doesn't come out of the game. But instead of just being direct to everybody about that, and, and look, whether you agree with that or not, I think you have to respect that if a coach has a basic tenant, that if you fumble, you're being benched. And this is the first time it's come up because James Robinson hadn't fumbled. And Carlos Hyde fumbled earlier in the year, but it's Carlos Hyde. So if, if he didn't reappear for a while, no one would think anything of it. Um, it, it just has become an issue because James Robinson hadn't fumbled until uh, until last game. So and then and then again Sunday against the Rams, I think Urban would have been well served to say we're not going to tolerate it, and if you fumble, you're benching yourself. But he didn't. He danced around it. He was like, "Well, you'll have to ask Bernie Parmley." And to me, it all goes back, Rick, to he has not been the same coach since the debacle after the Cincinnati game, the not flying home with the team. Obviously, his his judgment in, in terms of how to conduct himself following the Cincinnati loss. Uh, and, and I think I think it, it sort of neutered Urban Meyer, at least in his own mind, when it comes to really getting after these guys. Remember, we're in June in a press conference, and Urban Meyer pretty much out of nowhere just rips DJ Chark. Basically is like, well, he, you know, he's a big guy that plays small. And, and we all were like, wow, that's constructive and, and, you know, and you know, good for Urban you know, for saying that. Where has that guy gone, Rick? He's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's completely gone. Yeah. It's, uh, it's mind-boggling. Uh, by the way, McMahon went uh, ringside during the Montreal screw drop and got uh, spit on. That's right. By Bret Hart uh, before he went to... Uh, I believe, um, what, uh, uh, TNT or... The, I think it was uh, WCW. WCW. Yeah, yeah, at that yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you know, I mean, there is... You know, I, I say this all the time in college football. There's way too many people on the sideline, okay? I mean, you got 85 scholarship kids, you got 15 walk-ons, you got recruits, you got coaches, you got friends of, of coaches and players, and, you know, you want to get something uh, across and... It's bizarre. It shouldn't be that way in the NFL when you're dressing 46 guys, but you got all these practice squad players on there. This team has a coach for every two players. For crying out loud, they got a cornerback coach, a safety coach, and a nickelback coach. Urban Meyer says he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know if uh, James Robinson is in the blue tent. You think it would be pretty simple. You just turn around and you look, but. You know, I understand that coaches are, are focused on what's going on on the field. Uh, for instance, I remember a couple of years ago, I, I got in a pretty heated argument with a former employee who accused Doug Marone of lying about not knowing T.J. Yeldon and, and, and Leonard Fournette were sitting on the bench, calling me a liar uh, for not knowing uh, that the coach didn't know that they were sitting on the bench. Sometimes the coaches are so involved with the actual game that is going on that they don't know what's happening behind them but there still are inconsistencies i mean how can urban meyer not know that his best offensive player not named trevor lawrence 
is not on the field for 20 plays. Well, and that's the thing. Urban tried to disguise it today uh, when he met with reporters in terms of Tyson Campbell's yeah, injury. Well, I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure out Tyson Campbell. Can he go? You know, we were down at corner. We were in a desperate situation. I, and, and yes, I can see why that would distract you for a minute. But I don't think you're spending five minutes on what, where's Tyson Campbell at with his health. You know, you get a quick answer from Dr. Kevin Kaplan, and you move on with that decision. You know, you you, you might talk to Tyson for a minute, but you know, for the most most part, that's going to be a pretty quick interaction. I mean, the the medical staff knows they're not going to give you a dissertation for 15 minutes. They know the head coach doesn't have time for that. These guys are well trained. You know, quick information to the head coach concise so that they can move on. They can have the information, make their decision and move on. Um, so while, yes, there are there are distractions and other things that Urban Meyer has to worry about, it, 20 plays is a long time in an NFL game. To me, it comes back to a very simple truth. Urban Meyer does not like James Robinson as a player. And the evidence of that has been there since the moment Urban Meyer walked through the door. He didn't really mention James Robinson when he took the job as a player. He was, you know, anxious to coach or part of the nucleus here. They signed Carlos Hyde, who was a disaster here in his previous stint as a Jaguar. Uh, signed Carlos Hyde early in free agency. They draft Travis Etienne in the first round. There is nothing to indicate that they ever viewed James Robinson as a big-time player here. And and then it, it is translated to the regular season when he wasn't getting the carries in the red zone, and that was upsetting people. He wasn't getting enough carries. He wasn't getting the majority of or the vast majority of the snaps. It's, it's To me, again, Urban Meyer, I think, would have been better served to just be transparent. You know, He would have been, I think, wrong in the, in the minds of you know, anybody that watches the Jaguars can see James Robinson as a really talented player. He may not have the home run speed that Urban Meyer covets, but you got nothing right now. I mean, you're you're arguing about having you know a, a a king in your hand when your next best card is like a nine, you know, yeah. and and you're you're looking at the king saying, well, you know, I don't think this is that good of a card. Well, are you kidding me? Look at your other cards. He, yeah. He's clearly yeah. your best card, and uh, yeah, it's it's just been it's been disappointing in, in how he's handled it, and you know, I, I I don't really know what. You know what occurs on the sideline. You know, I, I know you get a great view, but you're, you know, you obviously you're you're limited in what you can tell us. But when when you're sitting there, what what is sort of the vibe that that you're seeing is are, as these moments are playing out in real time as the sideline reporter? You know, I haven't really ever seen anything with him and James Robinson. I haven't really seen anything with him and Bernie Parmalee. I, I've seen it with other players. I've seen it with other coordinators and position coaches. Uh, I can go back to two weeks ago, uh, certainly, you know, against Atlanta after Jawan Taylor uh, had that holding call and, you know, a conversation that happened here with him as he was walking off the field and getting with, uh, you know, with George Warhop. But I haven't seen it. And it it is interesting because it feels like there's been, since he got here, uh, obviously he's not a fan of James Robinson. And, you know, maybe the one excuse or uh, reason for that for me would have been simply he wants guys with breakaway speed, and that's why he got Travis Etienne. But that theory got completely bunked when he brought in, you know, Carlos Hyde. He, he's not a, a fast back. So 
You know, it's very confusing uh, at, at this particular time. And, and Robinson, to me, is the consummate teammate, a total professional. You know, I, I, I observe mightily as to what is going on as the sideline reporter. And this isn't a T.J. Yeldon or a Carlos Hyde or a, of a couple of years ago or a Leonard Floyd when they're uh, Leonard Fournette when they're sitting on the bench and they're uh, they're pouting or they they you know he's doing whatever it is he's got the helmet on the chin strap on he's standing up he's stretching he's doing calisthenics he wants to go back into the football game so you know this thing has been a total disaster and who knows maybe this is the opportunity this weekend where he gets a chance to run the football. Let's hope that that is the case. All right, let's, let's get to Trevor Lawrence because th- this is even more of a, a pressing issue now. Uh, all of a sudden, he just looks lost to me, Hayes, and I, I didn't think I would ever say this, but it almost feels like for me that this season can't end quick enough for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, he's getting a lot of reps, but he's clearly not developing He's not throwing the football downfield. He's missing now four or five times this past Sunday with some short stuff as far as his accuracy. Uh, and they're not going deep. Uh, do you believe that that is simply because they don't have the speed and the talent to go deep? Or Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer are saying, let's not put the rookie quarterback in this situation. If we have him drop back for that amount of time, he's going to get killed there. You know, I, I think it's it, all great questions. I, I think when it comes to Trevor, he's at a, a really tough place right now because I can only imagine a quarterback that can't trust whether the right route will be run or whether his receivers will get open or whether they'll catch the ball. He has to worry about all three of those things right now. I mean, in addition to making sure that the offense is operational on time, uh, what is the defense trying to do? Trevor then has to think about all those things because those receivers have not done anything to earn his trust when it comes to do they know how to run the right route. LaVisca Chenault does not at all. I mean, they have no chemistry. And again, I, I'm i going to think that's LaVisca Chenault, not Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so the, the routes are a problem. Uh, obviously, we've talked about getting open and, and catching the ball has been a problem. So... Uh, you know, Trevor isn't playing well. I mean, I, I don't think it's. I think it would be hard though for any quarterback to play well when you know. And now you're starting to see some protection issues. The Rams have a, obviously a talented front with Aaron Donald, but I, uh, you know, you're you're now starting to see those kind of issues. I, I think Trevor Lawrence has gotten to the point where he's like, "Look, I know I'm not going to throw a lot of touchdowns with these guys. I, I know that we're, we're we have no chance of being explosive, so I'm just not going to go and throw 30 picks." And he, you know, he threw a lot of picks early, and I think that sort of got in his head a little bit. Um, and no one wants to break Peyton Manning's record. At, what was it, twenty eight that he threw as a rookie yeah. uh, a million years ago? So I almost think Trevor's like, look, I'm just going to not throw picks and get get through this season, and hope that's enough for us to you know give our defense a chance. You know, right now he's thrown ten picks, which uh, you know is pretty far down the line. I mean, there's there's a number of guys that have thrown eleven or more. It looks like about you know nine or ten guys. So uh, he's in a tie with uh, you know Josh Allen and Tom Brady. Um, Trevor is, but it, with ten. So you know he's he's not going to end up throwing a, a crazy number of interceptions, but he's not going to have the touchdowns either because they just. I mean, again, Laquan Treadwell 
played 93% of the snaps against the Rams. Right. I mean, 55 right. of 59 snaps. Laquan Treadwell. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an idea of how absurd that is in terms of it, in, of how what an indictment that is on the Jaguars in terms of the roster that they have put around Trevor Lawrence. Laquan Treadwell, 93% of the sta- snaps uh, this week. That's more than DK Metcalf plays for the Seahawks, more than Tyreek Hill played for the Chiefs, more than DeAndre Hopkins played for the Cardinals, more than Chris Godwin played for the Bucks, more than Keenan Allen played for the Chargers, and more than Justin Jefferson played for the Vikings. Laquan Treadwell is playing yeah. more than those players for their respective clubs. Juan Treadwell may be in a situation where, you know, he could possibly hang around as uh, maybe the number five wide receiver next year. Obviously, every week we, we talk about how that's going to have to be addressed during the offseason. I, I think it's safe to say now, and it has been for quite a few weeks, that this offensive staff is going to be completely blown up. And, you know, it's going to be very interesting to me. I, what, what I want to know more than anything is – who does Shad Khan have as his lieutenants? Who are you know? He's been an owner now for ten years. Who are the guys that he can bounce things off? Uh, there were reports that when he brought back Tom Coughlin, you know, Bill Polian was a competent. Um, he could go to him. I, you know, I've heard maybe Tony Dungy. I, I don't know the answer to that question, but getting the right guys for the development of Trevor Lawrence is enormous. Um, we hear Dan Mullen, offensive coordinator. Listen, Dan has developed quarterbacks at the collegiate level. No one's going to argue with that. But then again, we'll be talking about, all right, here comes a guy into the NFL who's never been an offensive coordinator at this level. Is that what you want? Do you want a proving guy, a Norv Turner, who was fired? Hell, a year ago, Joe Brady, if, if this stuff with Eddie Orgeron happened a year ago, Joe Brady at Carolina would have been the guy going to LSU, not Brian Kelly. He's fired just a couple of days ago uh, with the Panthers. So, you know, I, I think this is where you got to get out. you got to get ahead of it, man. You have got to get the best offensive coordinator that you possibly can to help Trevor Lawrence take a, a massive step forward in year two. Yeah, and it's and it's going to be a challenge because, I mean, we know that if Urban Meyer does elect to return, and I think it's going to be up to him, uh, to your point, I don't think Shad Khan's going to fire him and, and let him you know go with $40 million. So if Urban decides to come back for year two, um, who comes? I mean, you know, there's growing whispers around the league that this administration is completely in over their heads. So who's coming? You know who's going to come and want to be the play caller here under Urban Meyer when the word around the league is that the Jaguars are a complete fiasco under Urban Meyer. Uh, you know, so now you're looking at retreads. You know, guys that just are desperate to get in the league, and not to say that there can't be a, a good guy in that group, but I mean, I don't think Urban Meyer is going to go and get somebody that's got other offers. I mean, I think you're you're taking somebody that you know, is, is going to be thankful to have the job. And, you know, usually that doesn't work out. That's the big mistake Urban Meyer made. He talked about, I studied the, the NFL for a year. Uh, he, he didn't spend any time thinking of who was going to be on his staff, and it, which is just shocking to me. Um, and, and he had no conversations. And it's hard for me to put a lot of this on Daryl Bevel. I mean, I'll, I'll go through, you know, going back to 2012, 
Uh, this is the points rankings for Daryl Bevel's offense in terms of points per game. Ninth in the league, followed by 8th, 10th, 4th, 18th, 11th, 18th, 20th last year when he was the OC and then interim head coach for the Lions. So that was his worst. 20th in terms of points. They're 31st. I mean, mm-hmm. the Jaguars are 31st, and only because Houston is the worst team that we've seen in the league in quite some time. And, and oh, by the way, right. it's 1-0 against the Jaguars. But, I, I mean, but Houston's offense is just, I mean, uh, atrocious. But, I mean, so it's not like... Daryl Bevel has a track record that at least suggests that he has some idea of what he's doing. So why are they 31st in points? Well, they're 31st in points because they have, they have no talent. Uh, and Urban Meyer has done a poor job of developing the talent that, that they did have. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, you know, you're right about that. Who's going to want to come here? You know, I still believe in a lot of circles uh, money can fix that. If you overpay, yeah, you can get a guy, and that's probably what they are going to have to do. But, I mean, there are far more answers, as I say, far more questions than answers right now. When looking at this football team, I feel like I say that on a weekly basis. Um, but it is true. All right. Um, you know, before we spend a second here on Tennessee, any positives at all? that You know, Tyson Campbell's gone. I think he's had a solid month. I'll, I'll look at him and say he's done a – a couple of uh, of nice things, but boy, I mean, the run defense now four games in a row is uh, is not working the way it once was. They weren't able to create pressure uh, this past Sunday. Um, you know, the offensive line, in my opinion, remains average to below average. Are you seeing anything that uh, would excite Jaguar fans uh, this past weekend? No, I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with, with the guys you mentioned. No, I mean, there's, there's unfortunately, there's not a lot of positives. And we'll see what happens in Nashville. There's five games left. I, I honestly think they should rest James Robinson against the Titans. They're not going to do this, but, but I think they should rest James Robinson against the Titans because the two wins that he's got to get are the ones coming up after this game, Houston and the Jets. And if he can get both of those and get to four wins, now you've won three more than you won the year before. And that's positive. There, there's not a lot of teams that are going to be able to say, we won three more games than the, the year before. It's not the progress that everybody was hoping for, but it can't be completely discounted. I, you know, so I, you know, that's sort of what, where I think they are. I, you know, I, I think that would be the best way for them to, to go. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't see a lot of positives. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is healthy, so that's a positive. And, you know, he continues to, to get reps, but... Not a lot of positives for me. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, you say it every week. They haven't scored 24 yet. You get the feeling <clears throat> they're going to have to score uh, 24 in order to win a football game uh, this weekend in Tennessee. They haven't won out there since 2013. Tennessee in first place. They've lost two in a row, and they're coming off a bye, for crying out loud. Jacksonville just took on a team in Los Angeles, which is a playoff team, and they had lost three in a row. So, you know, it, the way this schedule is kind of set up, Hayes, it seems like playoff teams who are taking somewhat of a downturn are able to rehabilitate themselves by facing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, no question. And I think Tennessee will fall right in line. I would think the Titans win this game by 14 or more. Yeah. 
And, you know, Derrick Henry is out. Uh, they got a stable of different backs. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what the uh, – this would really be, I think, the first of three cold-weather games here to wrap up the season uh, in Tennessee. Then, of course, uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts, followed up by the trip to New Jersey. All right, Hayes, let's thank our sponsor. Yeah, appreciate the law office of Stephen Doty. If you're having issues financially – uh, with family law issues, Stephen Doty can help you out with those matters. He's affordable, efficient, responsive. He's your local advocate for bankruptcy and family law matters. Has a great website, 904bankruptcy.net. You can go there and, and find out a lot of information about Stephen Doty client reviews. And uh, you can also reach Stephen Doty by phone at 416-8328. That's the law office of Stephen Doty, 416-8328. All right, thank you very much to Stephen, and as always, this is Death, Taxes, and Duval. He's Hayes Carline. He's with each and every day from 3 to 6. I am Rick Ballou. I am on at 6 o'clock. How do the listeners get a hold of you, Hayes? Yeah, reach out to me on Twitter, at Hayes Carlion. And you can get me as well, Ballou. That is B-A-L-L-O-U, 1010XL. Hayes, have a great rest of the week. Uh, we'll pick it up again uh, here next week, midweek, in another edition of Death Taxes in Duval. Sounds great, Rick. Thanks. All right, listeners, have a great one. We appreciate your comments, as always, and uh, enjoy the rest of the week.